And that's a sort of local pledge that we have as a business around our zero emission transition, which is continuing to roll out support schemes to get drivers in the cars, um, working with infrastructure providers so that we can get more uh, more charging docks on the streets in the areas that they're needed because drivers live in pockets. Uh, they're not they're not you know completely dispersed across the city. Um, and if we can help cross those, you know, tick those two boxes, uh, I think we really are working incredibly fast towards a greener, more sustainable future. Today, we're talking to Sam, the UK General Manager of Bolt, the Estonian ride-hailing and micromobility app that certainly has one eye on the future and expansion in the UK. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some tech news, as ever, powered by the Harvey Nash Group. Joining me for today's podcast, we've got Hayley. How are you? Hello, very, very well. Thank you. Rainy, but... It is rainy. It's warm as well. It's kind of soupy. Soupy? Soupy is is how I describe it. Yeah, that that is a good explanation for it. Yeah, it's it's a weird old old weather out there. Uh, What can you do? You can't can't write it. This is is the UK. (laughs) It is, it is. Um... You will know this already because you saw me, but I was in the office yesterday. Our listeners won't know that. Um, quite funny, on the way into the office, uh, my card didn't work at the bottom of the building at first. And I went up to the reception desk. It's been 10 months since I've been in the office. And I was like, not sure if, if this has just like been deactivated. <laughs> Maybe it was a sign like, you know, don't bother. Uh, <laughs> but reception said to me, well, which floor are you trying to go to? And for the life of me, I had to think about it. Yeah, it has been that long though, hasn't it? Like things that were just so natural before aren't. And it's not even like in our building, you don't even have to like select the number, do you? You just scan your card and it takes you there. So it's just not something you really think about. But I mean, yeah, memory definitely going on your side, Dave. (laughs) (sighs) Thanks, thanks. Yeah, no, it was bizarre. It was actually really weird, like walking around central London. It was nice that there were people and it wasn't like a ghost town like it was last year yeah um but at the same time it was you didn't feel like you're in a sardine can at any point which was good um given that the pandemic is certainly not over you don't want to be kind of like in someone else's armpit especially not when the weather's like it is because it's that's never pleasant um but yeah i came out of moorgate and i was like hang on a minute which direction am i facing it took me like 10 seconds to re-establish my bearings in places that I've been going for like a decade and normally just like know instantly. Uh, but what threw me as well, and this just shows the rate of change, right? It's been that long since I've been at Liverpool Street. They finished all the building work that they that seems to have been going on for years. So I was like, hang on a minute. It actually yeah, it has, does look different. Yeah, it does. So you're like, hold on, where am I? <laughs> the whole bit around Broadgate Circle, they've I know, now opened it all up. Hmm. Yeah. yeah and there's like a little shopping center it's like the smallest shopping center ever but they've got like a rolex there um yeah and like a neon candle shop um loads of things i think it's like a tommy hilfiger there like all things like yeah, that yeah. Um, but that just exacerbated the feeling that it's been like a really long time yeah. since i've been in the office because london being london all this building's changed i was like jesus i know Weird. quite interesting isn't it weird anyway we're not here to talk about that we are talking though about getting around london and places like london um with the ride hailing app bolt so we'll hand over to the interview with sam uh, and then we'll be back with some comments afterwards 
So today I am joined by Sam Ricciti uh, from Bolt. You're the, the general manager here in the UK, is that correct? That's correct. Now, uh, serendipity, first time that I come into London in 10 months because of the pandemic and I'm sat in the office today. I got on the tube at London Bridge and as I went down to the Northern Line, what, what did I see in front of me on the escalators? A massive banner for Bolt. What, can you remember what the, uh, what the slogan was on, on the banner? Uh, it was, I think it was about Estonian. It was the Estonian was... one? All right, yeah. all right. We've got, um, we've got a huge campaign going at the moment, so I'm not surprised that you saw us, uh, us out and about and around the traps. Uh, the, the focus of the campaign is actually about getting people back out and uh, supporting London, you know, moving again, coming out of the, coming out of the pandemic. So yeah. uh, I think my, my personal favorite uh, slogan that's on some of these banners, there's one that says, don't write that DM, car pay that DM. Uh, obviously yeah which is you know a lot of fun to be a part of it was the first brand campaign that we've really pushed in the uk to i suppose just draw attention to the to the sort of brand that we are uh and what we're trying to do so i'm very glad that you saw some of the marketing i'll let the team know absolutely now look i've i've seen that marketing and i've been aware of of bolt for a little while so i know it's ride hailing however not everyone will have seen your marketing. Not everyone will, listening will be based in London or even the UK. So very quickly, just, just tell us a little bit about who Bolt are. So we're a mobility platform. Uh, if, if I was to say who are we like and um, what sort of services do we offer, you just have to look at, at businesses like Uber, Lyft, uh, Didi, big mobility companies that focus on moving people around and then adding other services which really complement that as a core business. So we have an emphasis on sustainability, which is a unique prop for us. A lot of effort going into moving drivers into uh, EVs or low carbon emitting vehicles. Uh, and we also usually have the lowest commission for drivers in the markets that we operate, trying to give more earnings back to the drivers. We follow that philosophy of happy driver, um, happy rider in that if the drivers are happy, they're earning well, they're going to, they're really going to invest in, in, uh, their business, which is moving people, um, and working on the bolt platform. So not just ride hail services. We also offer, uh, scooter services in a lot of our, our European markets. So I think we're in over 100 cities at the moment uh, with scooters, which is a huge ramp up for us in the last year. Um, a lot of, of investment going into that uh, vertical. We also offer food services, uh, car sharing just launched in our in our home city of, of Tallinn, being an Estonian European brand. So um, we're, we're trialing our car services there. Uh, and we just recently launched our foray into dark grocery as well. So mobility at the core, um, extra services uh, that complement that and just continuing to build an app that adds value uh, to people's lives. So you, you touched there on sustainability. Um, we'll mention the fact that you're the largest ride hailing company in Europe to voluntary, voluntarily rather commit to carbon offsetting. Um, how how important is that? I mean, that might sound like a really trite question given the political mm. climate right now, but you're in this big field where um, there is this move towards uh, electric vehicles, e-scooters. Yep. I mean, d- would people just take it for granted that you're moving in the direction of sustainability or is it something that you really have to, to make clear to people that it's at the heart of the business? 
Well, I think two things. I think it's important because of the size and scale that we are, that we take that responsibility and make it easy for consumers to participate in a sustainable future without having to really impact uh, their day to day. So you, carbon from vehicles, you know, it's it's one of the biggest uh, polluting factors that we face. It's the number of cars being put on, on the streets. And we want to limit that by making our business um, as affordable as possible so that in the future people don't need to make a decision especially in cities like london uh, to buy a vehicle but rather can afford to use sustainable solutions uh where like like bolt where we either for the short-term carbon offset but then aggressively push our entire fleet into evs and i think that that's a responsibility as a business um that we are we take very seriously um, but we make it easy for consumers to participate in the swap by just choosing to ride bolt um so yeah and you you there's a there's a line here in in some some documentation that was sent prior to the interview about the fact that you're encouraging your drivers to see the benefits of electric vehicles mm. out of interest how difficult uh an argument is that to win? i i i would imagine that for a lot of drivers it, yeah all right electric vehicles i i understand but they're they're more expensive or they're you know, yeah 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 is 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 that is that something that you really have to work hard at, or or do you think Wait. the the majority of drivers are are quite willing to swap over to EVs where they can? You're absolutely right. It is it is actually a tough one, and it's a tough one for two reasons. One, we have a chicken and egg problem in cities like London with the infrastructure. So to be able to really support eighty thousand PHV vehicles swapping uh, to EVs, there needs to be the infrastructure to support the charging. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of businesses won't invest in the infrastructure until they know that the demand is there. So chicken and egg supply demand problem. The good thing is that the government, uh, and we're working with the government as well and a lot of boroughs, uh, the government is looking for ways and partners and investing our tax dollars into supporting businesses um, put in those either rapid charges or the drip charges in the retail estates so that drivers actually have access to them. and that chicken and egg problem goes away. The second problem that I alluded to is that it's quite expensive to get into an EV as an upfront cost versus looking at the traditional, um, you know, diesel or petrol cars. There's a lot more of them. Uh, there's and the accessibility is just there. So helping well, convincing drivers is all about helping drivers because it's about getting them over that first hurdle of getting into an EV. Once they're in an EV they can make significantly more uh, than they do in the traditional vehicles because they're not limited uh, by the congestion zone uh, and the fees that are associated with that. So even if a driver is not you know, sustainably minded, we try to make it at about the dollar figure because they are in, uh, in the work for themselves as a business. So as long as we continue to support them by seeing the economical uh, impact being positive, um, we will be able to continue to move drivers slowly into EVs. It's not going to be a full wave. And to be fair, I don't think that London is ready for everyone overnight to swip into EVs because the infrastructure is not there. So the idea is over the next two years, working towards the government's plans of you know, 2025, 2030, um, is continuing to support drivers every single month, every single year in 
you know, moving to that to that or transitioning to the EVs. And that's a sort of local pledge that we have as a business around our zero emission transition, which is continuing to roll out support schemes to get drivers in the cars, um, working with infrastructure providers so that we can get more e, uh, more charging docks on the streets in the areas that they're needed because drivers live in pockets. Uh, they're not They're not you know completely dispersed across the city. Um, and if we can help cross those, you know, tick those two boxes, uh, I think we really are working incredibly fast towards a greener, more sustainable future. Now, look, let's let's talk a little bit about the impact of the pandemic on the business, because yeah. I think this is this is worth um, looking into. And forgive me for for a minute to kind of paint a picture, but I imagine that I fall squarely into, or certainly over the last kind of five years or so, fall into your target audience. I'm mid 30s i lived in zones two and then zones four in london i worked in central london uh my whole adult life up until the last few months ago was in london um i had some of your competitor competitor apps in terms of um mobility in terms of food and groceries on my phone i've got and bought a house in kent i've moved out of london i've deleted a lot of those apps i'm only in london one one day a week that's got to have an impact so how how have you weathered that storm? How has your business been able to respond to the changing consumer habits and and looking at this this you know you you yourself you mentioned that you have moved out of London so I suppose it's 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 all too apparent to you that that, that the market has changed. Absolutely, I think people moving out of London is a bridge that we're going to cross slowly as a business because we are expanding rapidly across the UK. So I'll I'll keep an eye out. Uh, David, for when you you rejoin the platform and start taking trips again, but uh, but that we'll we'll cross that bridge eventually, just with uh, with growth and uh, launching more cities and increasing our city sizes, so that we can um, we can help people in the smaller villages in the counties outside of London. Um, but the the impact on the business uh, was dramatic in the first in the first month. Um, we saw. We saw a lot of drivers turning off for fear of their well-being, and we obviously the, the city wasn't moving. So during the pandemic, we worked um, we worked with TFL, we worked with some of our competitors, uh, we we collaborated, um, you know, with with a lot of the support groups that popped up to try to support drivers. Um, in particular, we launched the first campaign to cover uh, six sick days for some drivers um, in in a form of basically if a payment, so a lump sum payment if, if drivers weren't able to work because they did have the virus. And we did that completely out of compassion because we saw how much it was impacting uh, their earnings, uh, even if they could log on to drive there was no work going as well so the small amount of work that they were getting we wanted to assist them with that so um so we did that as well but after after the sort of 60 day windows where the government and the people started to understand what the future was going to be like and and plans actually started being made that were longer than the next 7 days we shifted away from that reactive sort of um, response that we saw in the first window to a to a proactive plan that came into place. We then, as a business, were able to plan a, a accordingly, and we saw almost a an immediate recovery coming out of the first lockdown um, to not quite pre lockdown levels, 
um, but you know, stable enough uh, at a close enough peak. Um, and we stayed there and continued to grow to recover until the lockdown that obviously hit us towards the end of last year. We saw a slight dip, but nowhere near what we did um, in in the first window. Uh, and then as of a month and a half ago, we're fully recovered and back to, to growing and helping people move uh, in their daily, daily lives. So I think every business was impacted depending on the business. You know, if you're making toilet paper, I think uh, I think the impact was a lot different uh, to, to moving people. Uh, I, I would probably say they were uh, they were wiping their butts with money uh, with with everyone going and buying more toilet paper, whereas we suffered a little bit uh, in the other direction. But um, that's okay. We as a business made a lot of decisions to ensure that we wouldn't have to terminate staff. A lot of our competitors uh, fired a lot of people, uh, terminated a lot of people, didn't use furlough schemes. We used the furlough scheme um, for a short window, but Marcus, our CEO, basically asked the business and its its leaders, how would you feel about a pay cut versus us having to terminate people? Because these are good people, we're going to need them in six months. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, for us to let good people go, and you could you could say, well, how much do employees have a choice in that? I mean, everyone had a choice. The vast majority of the leadership team offered more, significantly more than the pay cut that was asked for, because we didn't we didn't want to see our teams, you know, get broken apart. So, um, as a business, I think we operate a little bit differently to our competitors as well as well in that regard. So. I mean, that was a long-winded response, but to the short answer was we were impacted. We've seen strong recovery, and that's why we're pushing you know, the marketing campaign that we have now, which is about helping people reimagine um, what the new normal is going to be like, because it's not going to be the same normal uh, for some time. I think everyone's aware of that, but we want to be a part of, of this new normal, and part of that is about getting people excited again. You know, you may not be able to fly off to to Spain or Bali, you know, with full confidence at the moment, but you can move around London. You can re-explore your home turf. There's a lot to do here, and we should just be we should be happy and um, and enjoy the sun uh, and each other within the rules. So you touch on something that I think is is, is interesting there because you say you know you can re-explore London, you know, enjoy the sun. Mm. Um, I've never been one for getting on the tube for unnecessarily short journeys anyway, but I've often mm. not got Boris bike because, frankly, to be honest, in London they're not always that. They're not on every street corner, so it's not as easy to just pick them up for the short journeys or the short hops that you need. Has has the pandemic forced you as a business to go, right, maybe e-scooters, sorry, maybe scooters and e-bikes are something that we had some skin in the game in, but now this could be really where we take off. And I see it in today, today in the paper, uh, an announcement that they will finally push ahead with the pedestrianising uh, the area around Oxford Circus. So that, yeah. again, lends itself to those forms of transport. Is that giving you food for thought? Yeah, absolutely. We were involved in the process, so we we went we went for those tenders, uh, in particular in London, uh, and for, unfortunately we we didn't make it into the final three this time. We did make it into the final stage though, which was you know good news for us. But unfortunately, our competitors won them. So I think we very much would have liked to have had uh, our scooters on the streets. Well, we definitely would have liked to have our scooters on the street in London, um, but it's been really really good to see. Uh, to see the uptake of them already 
um, even if it is with our competitors, because as a business, and I say this as a person as well, but I can I can represent Bolton saying this. We do believe so much in in the the platform of the micro mobility solutions that just seeing governments turn towards them as an option and putting these tender processes in place um, for competitive license uh, license processes um, is a fantastic step forward. We'll we'll be back there in a year and a half's time when they go back out for tender with better products, better solutions, and we will win them then. But right now, I'm happy to champion. You know the some of our friends, uh, especially at Dot, who have seen them on the street. I go into London every Saturday to drop my my kids at uh, at Saturday school because they're um, they're half Japanese, mum's Japanese. So I and that's in Ealing is uh, is one of the, is where their school is. And it was it was so nice to see them on the streets last week. My kids and family have come with me to Tallinn, where we have a huge scooter presence, and we have used them to get around uh, and enjoy the city. Um, when we don't want to walk or, or get on a bike. And, um, and you know, my, my son looking at me and saying, Daddy, you know, that's just like in Estonia. And I was like, yeah, mate, they're here now. You know, don't worry, ours are coming soon. Was was just great. So, um, you know, if if there are those options around there, absolutely, I think people should be utilizing them um, because the bigger uptake we see on them, it's it's going to be better for the environment and ultimately when we get our scooters in um we'll have a have a service that we can transition people over to yeah. I, can, I can steal from my competitors at that point <laughs> but uh but yeah no i'm not gonna it makes me smile and um I'll, i've seen them on the streets and uh and i'm glad that they're there so look, we've, we've talked a lot about london but uh you know a lot of people are looking at bristol as an alternative place to to be and, and live although that's going to take some some fitness. Maybe lose some of those pounds that people have put on over over lockdown because that's a that's a hilly place. Uh, mm. Cambridge, Oxford. There's a there's a love of cycles in both of those cities, so I imagine they're right. Manchester has appalling road transport, so I imagine micro mobility would be would be something that Manchester might take to. Well, mm. you know, you, you've got an aim to expand to ten cities by the end of the year. What what is the plan? Where are you looking at being? Uh, well, sorry. Where where do you think you can make a real impact? Well, we started that expansion already. So we're um, we've we've launched in Milton Keynes, Leicester, Peterborough, and as of yesterday in Birmingham as well. So you've you've already name dropped some cities that are well and truly on the cards. You've got you've got cities like Manchester, Bristol, uh, Liverpool, Leeds, Newcastle, um, as far north as sort of Glasgow, Edinburgh. Um, so these are all the these are all opportunity markets you know for us to basically bring our mentality bring our greener solution uh and help people get moving bikes micro mobility you know in the form of scooters all on the table it's just about working with the licensing authorities and the boroughs to understand what they think is going to work best for them rather than barging into a market that we you know, quite honestly, know very little about. Um, it doesn't make sense to just go in, launch everything day one. Um, and for the most part, for, for scooters at least, we wouldn't be able to without permission anyway. So it's about planning, uh, pushing our uh, our green message and promoting who we are and, and why we think we would be adding value to the existing infrastructure and businesses that exist there and then going ahead and launching. But um, Birmingham launched yesterday, you know, to which was a great success and um, 
throwing out campaigns and and uh, rider discounts to get people uh, involved and and using the platform in Birmingham. There's up to 50% off running there at the moment. I think it is actually it is actually 50% off. What am I saying? It's 50% off for the first couple of rides so that people can can get in and. Today is is clean air day as well. So um, having those conversations with Birmingham yesterday was great. Uh, some of the media outlets there, uh, because it was an opportunity again to just talk about why we uh, why we think green is important um, and why riding with Bolt is a conscious choice without really having to do anything. A, a conscious decision to uh, to make a green choice. Look, Sam, it's, it's been fascinating to chat to you. You know, you mentioned we kind of mentioned looking to the future. Bolt is at the heart of that, I suppose, not revolution, but evolution about how we think about getting around cities. And as we come out of that that pandemic, I mean, as we mentioned, the pedestrianisation of uh, of Oxford Circus has been mooted since the since the nineteen eighties. So stuff happening as a consequence of coming around. Yeah. Um, so look, really prescient time to talk to you, and and thank you for giving up some time. Thank you so much. It was lovely speak soon all right i'll be really straightforward with you i I didn't use competitors names whilst talking to sam i always feel like i shouldn't but i did delete one of their competitors the biggest one the one with the black square and the white writing off my phone Mm. when i moved out of kent i was like you know what i'm not gonna be jumping and i'll be everyone knows i'm not gonna be jumping in an uber all the time i don't need this app on my phone and i also had that little bit at the back of my mind about how nice a company are Uber? Yeah. Now, I know that might be slightly hypocritical. There's a lot of different companies that I use that you could say have questionable ethics, right? Just to be perfectly straightforward. Like, you do you do have to make some of those choices, especially with some of the large tech businesses these days. Like, I, I use a lot of Google products, but there's been a lot of bad press about Google. Amazon, you know, lots of bad press. But some of those services you feel like you kind of can't avoid, I can avoid uber however if i'm getting into town more often again i might feel the need to download one or two of these apps again and sam i hadn't previously used bolt but sam came across with a genuine enthusiasm that suggested to me that yes whilst they want customers there is a real passion there for providing something and being part of an ecosystem that is helping cities helping green solutions and it not and and certainly there's less there's a hell of a lot less bad press didn't have to lay off any drivers use the furlough scheme they haven't had the same kind of issues around the treatment of of employees as far as i'm aware so i was i was i was really kind of convinced that this was a bit different i completely agree with you happy driver happy rider (laughs) Oh, listen to that. <laughs> that is what I heard and I and I loved it. And you know what as well? It just sounds like they they really value their employees as well. That like just goes back to what you were just saying there. And as well, I do think like Uber needed a competitor. Like they started to take the piss a bit with prices. I mean, I, I think Bolt had been around for a little while when, when I first got it, but I've had Bolt for a while now and I use them all the time. Um so I fully rate them like they don't I feel like when they came along it was much more like accessible affordable um especially like when I first started using Bolt I used to have a company car and then I started working in London and I didn't need a car 
because I was literally, I'd never have to use it. Um, it's just so easy to get either public transport or a bolt. And I thought, wow, I could get a bolt every single day and it would be way less. Like I'd still be paying half the price of what I would I would be paying for a car with like car tax insurance, the actual car itself. So I was like, sod it, I'm just going to use it. Um, and it just made it so much more accessible. And I, and I completely agree with you. I think they just sound like a nice company, don't mm. they? And that, and that says yeah. a lot, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he name drops um, Dot in there. And, and sometimes you might think that they wouldn't name drop effectively a competitor, but they obviously have a synergy with other businesses in this space who are trying to do the same thing. And the fact that when he talks about the fact that they lost a tender for another British city, but they were pleased that there was progress being made, you kind of felt that that was genuine and it was authentic. Yeah. Yeah, like um, not not annoyed about that side of things. And I must say, when um when I first started using Bolt, it must have been now two and a, two and a half years, two years ago. Because it was when I like joined Harvey Nash, I was using it. Um, and I remember literally being like, "Oh my god, everyone! I I feel like I deserve some permission." <laughs> <laughs> I literally well I know that they obviously gave me they gave me quite a few free rides but I'm not even joking I told everybody and their dog about Bulb yeah. who I knew it was hilarious I was like let me send you my I'll send you a code you can use the link sign up I actually took out a client once and I was preaching about Bolt. this is ridiculous I went, went to breakfast at the Ivy with the client was preaching it um and I was like to the client give me your mobile number and uh, yeah. I'll send it to you. And she must, must have thought, what a weirdo. <laughs> but I sent it. I did. Now, we had um, we had Dash on the show a couple of weeks ago. So we've already been talking about electric bikes and cycling around London. We've done that on the on the podcast quite recently. The one thing I would say is, like, you know, I, I used Uber for a long time in London because it was just, there's a lot of them. And getting a taxi around the city is easier than jumping on a, a scooter or a bike. Like, I don't know. You don't tend to make many scooterable journeys in London, right? Mm. Whereas, you know, they're an Estonian business. They are in other European cities. When I was in Lisbon, I jumped on a Lime scooter um, because it was just there and they were everywhere. And when I've been in Paris, I've used the Velib because the Velib is basically on every single corner of the city. There is this feeling that actually, to me, I would imagine that these services are going to be easier to use in other UK cities, like he mentions Newcastle, and he mentions um, he mentions Leeds, but certainly he mentions Newcastle, which obviously is a city I fairly I know fairly well. I grew up there. It's like ten minutes to get from one side of the city to the other, so it would be easy. In the same way that in Lisbon, it's easy to have loads of scooters around, and actually jumping on a scooter for five minutes speeds up your journey no end. But it's really simple. It would be easy to do similar stuff in UK cities like that. So I'd be really interested to see how that expansion happens outside of London, because I just don't think London, unfortunately, is really set up for micromobility in quite the same way, because it's such a vast space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like, I know that there's a lot of people in every city, but like, could you just imagine where we work in the city, there being scooters around, things like that? It's just so manic, or like, especially in, in the thick of like, when things are normal. I just, I, I actually have seen recently a couple of people on on scooters and things like that. Um, but where we work in particular, there's going to be quite a few areas like that in London, which is just not going to suit. But You'd have to pedestrianise half the city for yeah, that to feel exactly. safe. A little bit like what they want to do with like Oxford Street. I feel like that could yeah, work. Yeah, that could totally work. And around the West End and whatnot. And you could you could have a scooter on like the side streets of Soho and it would 
I think it would kind of work. Yeah. Maybe you'd be dodging in and out of people a little bit. But <laughs> it, works. it works in European cities, which are much smaller and more condensed. And that's okay. There are people around. It works. Definitely. But yeah, kind of the city. I, I, I wouldn't get on a scooter in the city. Die. <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they expand outside of, outside of London. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Uh, and the one other thing, look, they've mentioned it, we've mentioned it a number of times, we've mentioned it when talking about electric vehicles and all sorts, the infrastructure needs to be there. It was, in, it was positive to hear Sam talk about the government trying to support the infrastructure. He describes it as a chicken and egg situation, but companies weren't willing to invest in, in, unless they saw customers. The infrastructure has to be put in place. And, and it, it was interesting, right? I was kind of, I was watching a program last night about the vaccine, the vaccine development amongst all the various different farmers over the last year. Um, and they were talking about the fact that they spent a half a billion dollars before they'd actually developed the vaccine because they needed the storage, the manufacturing, the fridges, all of that kind of stuff to make it work. Now those vaccines, I know they're, they're kind of offering them to the world for free, but Christ, everyone knows Pfizer, everyone knows AstraZeneca. Those mm-hmm. companies have cemented their place as, as market leaders. Um, and you know, when, when Joe Biden goes and he, he says to Pfizer, I want you to make half a billion jabs for the world, that's pretty good business for, for yeah. Pfizer. So I say they're half a billion dollars when they hadn't even developed a vaccine. It's kind of paid off. Yeah. I know that's an extreme example and the pandemic's kind of crazy, but it's almost like there's a, companies need to, need to realize that the investment in this infrastructure, pro, there is a massive market for this stuff. And you're not going to get consumers when you don't have the infrastructure because it's not easy to adopt. But if you, I think if you made green micromobility accessible and, and a realistic option, people will switch over like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's we're on this journey, aren't we, at the moment, um, as a world, I guess, <laughs> just to try and make things, especially in the UK, I feel like it's definitely just the accessibility to chargers and things like that is, is definitely getting there. I mean, back when I used to sell cars, there used to be a, such a common question, like, where can I charge it? And you can get, I cannot remember the name of the app, but it was like a e, um Oh, it was e something. I have to. You can put this in the notes if you, if you want to know. Um, I can find out. But it's and you it come you bring up your your area and it comes up with every charging point there is possible. And they're in like the weirdest of places as well. So it's really quite it's quite good. So it's much more accessible than people think. But yeah, we aren't there yet, and it's definitely on that path. So since when that was when I was obviously selling cars, which was years ago now. But it's definitely going to be. It's definitely going to have made progress and. Um, yeah, I think it's it's all going in the right direction. Absolutely. Look, we'll bring we'll bring friendly future. Yes. And look, Bolt, by the way, you've got an ambassador in Haley. I didn't realise until we started recording you were, <laughs> you were such a super fan. Um, I think we'll bring an end to uh, the podcast here. A bit quick bit of news of a sort. This is more of an announcement. Uh, obviously, this is an audio podcast. We also have a sister video series called In Conversation With. On the 15th of July, I'm going to put a, a, the link to this in the show notes, going to be hosting a chat with the Formula One, Williams team Formula One boss, uh, sorry, CIO rather, um, boss of technology, uh, Graham Hackland, who's going to be talking all about how tech in the Williams F1 team makes difference, how they're looking at sustainability, how they try and stay competitive, how they really do adopt a, uh, a fail-fast culture and no-blame culture. So that should be worth joining us for. There will be a link in the show notes. So that's a video, 15th of July at 5.30 BST. Love it. it. 
Hayley looks like she's making notes, probably isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time this morning. Bye-bye. Give you the satisfaction